0: And just to catch us up while we turn there where we uh, what's taking place in this story Jesus is in luke 24 Jesus is dead he was arrested, crucified, died was put in the tomb you have these two disciples are walking on this road to Amer- to Emmaus they're disheveled they're depressed they're discouraged uh, this this Jesus who they had put their hope in is died their Messiah their redeemer and this person comes alongside and begins to walk by them. And that person is our Lord, Jesus, but he has veiled himself. They don't know who he is. And he asks them, What's going on? You know, what's happening? And they're kind of shocked. You know, are you the only person in all of Jerusalem that doesn't understand what just happened? Uh, this Jesus of Nazareth, mighty in word and power, who we thought was going to be the Redeemer of Israel, he has died. And our women today, they went to His tomb and they said it's empty. They don't find Him there. And they they didn't know what to think of these things. So we pick up the conversation there in verse 25 of Luke 24. And He, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. I want to just say, uh, could you imagine being at this Bible study? <laughs> Jesus, the, the the teacher of teachers, the, the par excellence expounder of Scripture, opens up from Moses through all the prophets, Genesis to Malachi. And He reveals to them, He interprets to them all of the things that spoke of Him. What a, what a Bible study to be at. The first thing that I want us to see uh, with His response to His disciples here is that He expected them to understand this on their own. At least to some degree. I mean, look at the way He responds to them. Oh, foolish ones! in verse 25, and slow of heart to believe. He actually rebukes them here for their, for their density, if you will. So apparently this was not some, some new interpretation that Jesus had just come up with. Jesus wasn't, wasn't seeking to insert Himself uh, back into Old Testament stories, uh, but He's telling them here that, that you should have seen this. From, from Moses, the beginning of the Bible, and all through the prophets uh, he interprets for them all of the things that spoke of him and at least to some degree he expects them to have understood this oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe he expects them to see to understand the the christ-centered nature of the old testament the fact that it pointed forward to a messiah john chapter 8 shows us that this was not a new understanding you can Turn there if you like. We're just going to look at one verse, John 8 56. This was not something new that Jesus had just come up with. We find our Lord in John chapter 8 arguing or, or debating. Jesus doesn't really debate with anyone, he just kind of allows us to understand our faulty arguments. Um, but he's, he's debating with the Pharisees and, and they appeal to Abraham. They say, Hey, we're descendants of Abraham. We're followers of Abraham. We come from Abraham's lineage. We don't know who you are or where you come from, but we come from Abraham. They, they speak in that way. Uh, and it's, it's an appeal to authority. They have lineage all the way back to Abraham. And in verse 56, Jesus says to them, Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. So Jesus' response when they're saying, we follow Abraham, we don't know who you are. He says, Abraham, all the way back in the Old Testament, the, the first patriarch, anticipated the Messiah. He looked forward to God fulfilling this promise that one day a Redeemer would come. Another passage I want to look at is 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, gentlemen, if you were at the men's breakfast, we spent some time in this, in this passage 1 Peter chapter 1, the apostle is writing to elect exiles, Christians that have been dispersed. They no longer live in their homeland. So he writes to the church and he gives this beautiful exposition of the gospel, of our inheritance in Christ. It's imperishable, unfading, it's kept in heaven. Even our faith is being guarded by God. And in verse 10, he says, concerning this salvation, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Concerning this salvation that I that he just spoke of, the prophets in the Old Testament who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. Remember, he's speaking to the church here. They prophesied about the grace that was to be yours to the church. They searched and they inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So Peter tells us that the prophets were getting revelation from God. They were speaking things. The Spirit of Christ in them was indicating and predicting the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, that a Messiah would come, that He would suffer and be glorified. But he says they searched, they inquired carefully. They didn't have a full understanding They wanted to know, who is this person? When is he going to come? They were trying to predict the prophecies that they were proclaiming. Because when they would speak for God, they weren't given infallible knowledge. They were given a word to go speak, thus saith the Lord. And then they would often go back, Peter says, and try to dig into the Scripture and understand, who is this Messiah? When is it that he's going to come? So we see that Abraham, the patriarchs, they anticipated the arrival of the Christ, the prophets, prophesied, and they anticipated the arrival of the Messiah. They didn't have all the details. That's why they inquired into trying to understand. Um, And that really is the nature of Christ in the Old Testament. We see Him in seed form, uh, shadowy form, as God's revelation is progressive. As time moves forward, He more and more reveals this understanding of a Messiah, an anointed One that will come and bring hope. And I go to those verses to to show that uh, this is not a novel or a new interpretation by Jesus. But the patriarchs and the prophets anticipated the arrival of a Messiah, of a Redeemer. And Jesus here rebukes His disciples for not understanding that, for not seeing that these things were necessary. But I think we can probably sympathize with these guys a little bit here, can we not? Uh, we too at times can maybe be a little dense, a little slow to understand, slow to believe. Uh, maybe the Lord is trying to teach you something in life, trying to teach us a lesson, trying to help us grow, putting little stumbling blocks before us or or, or letting us kind of fall on our face. Sometimes he, he brings His correction, seeking to put us on the right path. But I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes me five, ten, twenty 20 of those to See, I think the Lord's actually showing me something here. I think He's trying to tell me that this is wrong, or this is foolish, or I should go this way. Sometimes in His Word, we'll see something that would, that would help us get through a difficult experience, or help us trust the Lord through a trial, and we see it, and it's glorious, and, and what a verse. But we fail to apply it. We fail to, to put it into practice. Surely the Lord might have the same words for us, as He did for them sometimes. oh, foolish one, slow of heart to believe. But He was patient with His disciples here, and praise the Lord that He's patient with us. But we do see that He expected them to, to understand, at least to some degree, the Christ-centered nature of the Old Testament. To, to understand that it anticipated Him. And that takes me to point number two. I want to say that the entirety of the Old Testament is... Christ-centered, the entirety of the Old Testament. Look with me back now in Luke 24, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. He begins with Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five books of the Bible, attributed, written by Moses. It goes all the way back to the beginning. And it goes through all of the prophets. And he interprets to them in all of the Scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now let me just first real quick say in the negative what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we should go and find Jesus in every single verse. That there's something in, in every word, in every verse, that points us to Jesus. Uh, that when it says that the Son rose in the sky that that was pointing us to, the resurrection of the Son of God. People have, have taken this understanding of the Old Testament to a way further degree than God ever intended. But what I what I think it does mean is that we what we saw, He went through Moses and all of the prophets and showed them in all of the Scriptures where it spoke of Him. The Christ-centered nature of the Old Testament is not just a few well placed prophecies here and there, but it is a thread that ties the whole of the Bible together. It's kind of like that that old knitted sweater that you have, and there's that thread that's dangling, uh, and you don't want to pull it out, and you keep trying to stick it back in or cut it off or whatever you do, uh, because you know if you pull that thread, the whole thing is going to ra- unravel and, and come apart. And Jesus is that thread that is woven all throughout the Old Testament. I believe Paul understood this. In the book of Acts, we see Paul speaking before King Agrippa, answering for the things that he was doing, which was preaching. And it says in Acts 26, in verse 22, he says, To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, He would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. So Paul says, I'm here and I'm preaching nothing but what the Old Testament already said, that the Messiah, the Christ, must suffer and that He would rise from the dead, and that He would come and proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. Earlier before that, in Acts 17, verse 2, Paul visits the region of Thessalonica, and it says in verse 2 of Acts 17, "...as was His custom, uh, and on three Sabbaths He reasoned with them from the Scripture. So He would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath with the Jews, and it says, he reasoned from the Scriptures. It's the Old Testament. The New Testament was not penned at this point. He reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. So he could reason solely from the Old Testament and prove to them that it was necessary for Messiah to come to suffer and to rise from the dead. And then just under that if we were to continue on. We'd see the Bereans. You remember what the Bereans were commended for. In the scripture. The Bible said they were more noble. Than the other people. Why is that? Because they studied the word. They, they took the things that Paul said. And they dug into the scriptures themselves. To see if they were true. So Paul comes. Preaching this same. Use of the Old Testament. They themselves. They themselves study the Word, and they too come to faith in Christ. We also see the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 3, verse 17. He says, Now brothers, I know you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that His Christ would suffer, He thus fulfilled. All throughout the book of Acts, we see the Apostles preaching Christ, and preaching the gospel. And they do that exclusively from the Old Testament. They're able to preach Christ and preach the gospel using only the Old Testament scriptures. And that brings me to point number three, is that Christ is the key to unlocking the Old Testament. Christ is the key to unlocking the Old Testament. Back in Luke 24, uh, we scroll down the page a little bit, Jesus sat down with those two disciples, had a meal with them. Uh, He leaves and they said, Man, did did our hearts not burn within us while He opened to us the Scriptures? I mean, imagine that, that time with Christ opening up the Word of God. He then meets the larger group again. This is after He's been resurrected. This is a risen Lord. And we find in Luke 24, verse 44, Then He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Again, we have this amazing Bible study taking place. Christ sits with his disciples, opens up the Hebrew scriptures, and it says he opened their minds. Some have taken this to say that He did something miraculous. He he endowed them with with knowledge that no other man has. But I think that He just opened up the Bible with them and He showed them, He revealed to them, He interpreted those prophecies, those types, those foreshadows of Him that pointed to Him. He shows them that, that He truly is the key to understand the Old Testament, to bring it all together. And again, He includes the entire Scripture, he says the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's the threefold way that the Hebrews broke up the Old Testament. And when you refer to the Old Testament like that, law, prophets, and writings, he's saying all of it. He opened up with them the whole Bible at that time. And, sh- and he shows them that without seeing him in the Old Testament, one cannot truly understand rightly the Old Testament. Imagine... Um, If I was rich, I'm not rich, but imagine if I was rich and I was old and I was about to pass away and you got a call and said, hey, uh, we are reading this man's will and you're the only name there and he has untold riches and he's left them all to you. So you hop in your car, right? Put the food down and you're out of there and you get in the car and you go and the guy's there and he has this chest and it's this old, really ornate-looking chest and it's locked up. And in this chest are untold riches. Um, jewels and rubies and gold and anything you could imagine uh, that is just billions and billions of dollars worth of, of jewels. And he says, here you go. This is, this is all yours. And you say, that's great. Where's the key? And he says, I'm sorry, but this case is impenetrable and... Mr. White destroyed the key because he didn't want you to waste all of these riches. Now, you have the chest. You have untold riches right before you. But unless you have the key to unlock the chest, they really have no profit to you. They're not really beneficial to you. They don't help you if you can't get into that chest and pull out what is in there. And I think the same thing goes for the Old Testament. Untold riches in Christ are there at our disposal. But if we read the Old Testament and it does not point us to the Messiah, as Jesus says, we largely have missed the point of the whole book. You remember John 5.39? He tells scholars of the Old Testament, those that studied the Bible their whole lives, you search and you think that in them, in the Word, in the Scriptures, you have eternal life but it's they that bear witness about Me, yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. He says, you don't have life. You haven't found it in the Scriptures because you haven't found Me. You haven't found the need for a Savior, and I am He. Uh, Jesus may say, you, you, have, you understand all the stories. You understand the letter of the law. Uh, you can recite all of the things that Abraham and Jacob and Isaac did. But unless you find Me, unless you find the Messiah, unless you realize the great need for a Savior, you will never have eternal life. And nothing's changed for us today. right? A person can, can know all of the Scripture, can memorize the Word of God, can understand the background and the original languages and the cultural situations. There are many, 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 Old Testament and New Testament scholars that have PhDs in the New Testament that are atheists, that don't believe the words on the page, that study for their life, but they have not found Christ. They have not really found a relationship with Christ. It's just an ancient book to study like other ancient books. Even to this day, a Jewish person can live and breathe the Old Testament can know it front and back, can get up every morning and every evening, recite the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But unless they encounter and come to know Jesus, the key to it all, then they will not profit from the Word and they will not find life. And that brings me to point number four. And that is that the Gospel for all people was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. The Gospel for all people was foreshadowed in the Old Testament, again in Luke 24, verse 46, or 45, he opened their minds to the scriptures, Jesus did, and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. It's a very important statement in those verses. Thus it is written. Every time we see that statement in the Gospels, a divine speech always follows. So when Jesus or one of the disciples says, thus it is written, He's letting us know that He's about to cite the Old Testament. He's about to cite the Word of God. A a divine utterance is about to follow. Something that God has said, an authoritative word from God, is about to follow. Something, of course, that's been written. Thus, it is written. But here's the thing. You can look high and low all throughout the Old Testament, and you're not going to find that verse. You're not going to find that statement like that, that Jesus just quoted, just cited. So what is He doing? Did He misspeak? Did He misquote the Old Testament? Surely not. What I believe he did is he summarized the the Old Testament's witness about the Messiah in this statement. Again, he said, thus it is written, that the Christ, that there is a Messiah, a promised one, a Redeemer, that He should suffer. That was foreign to so much of how the Jews saw this Messiah. They wanted a political ruler. They wanted Israel to return to her former glory and then some. But he says that the Christ must suffer. Suffer and die, and on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all the nations. Jesus there gives really a tidy summary of the Gospel, which is actually a summary of the Old Testament's witness to the coming Messiah. He doesn't quote a specific verse there, but He sums up, what the Old Testament has to say about Him. That all of that found on the pages of the Hebrew Scriptures. So I return now again to my thesis that the Old Testament is a book about the promise of a coming Messiah through whose sufferings God will establish His glorious, eternal kingdom. This seems to be the way that Jesus and Paul and Peter understood the Old Testament. Not just a bunch of stories about the Jews with maybe a few prophecies thrown in, but Paul and all of them can literally preach the Gospel from the Old Testament. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is a Christ Centered book that cannot be rightly understood and applied if one does not see Christ as the key to unlock its truth. So, why do I think this is so important? Why did I pause out of John and continue on this subject? Um, This view of the Old Testament has been lost in many circles, especially maybe in the last 200 years, many Baptist circles make a very strong distinction between the Old and the New Testament. Um, yes, Old Covenant is Old Covenant, New is New. Um, yes, God primarily worked through the Jewish people in those days. Uh, none of that is lost on Jesus, and none of that is lost on me. Um, but what I hope we can see is that the Bible is one story with one divine author, and it carries us from creation to fall to redemption consummation. It culminates in who Jesus is and what He has done to save sinners. And He is so central to that story that no part is rightly understood apart from Him. So how will this view of the Old Testament, how does it help us? How does this help us uh, in our lives as we read the Bible, as we understand Scripture? Uh, Three things really quick. Number one, This is kind of obvious, but uh, when we see the Bible like this, we'll be reading the Bible like Jesus and the apostles did. I want to read the Bible like Jesus read the Bible. I want to understand the Bible like Paul and Peter and all of the apostles understood the Old Testament. I want to read it as it is intended to be understood. And I believe the New Testament is clear that it is to be understood as Christian Scripture is one big story. The Old Testament, we can say, is promises made, and the New Testament is promises fulfilled. Number two, uh, understanding the Old Testament in light of Christ keeps us from kind of a simple, moralistic reading. Uh, You've probably heard sermons like this. Surely I've preached sermons like this. David was courageous, and he killed his giant. We too need to be courageous the giants in our life. Now, there's much to learn from David's courage, sure. Um, but if I can preach a sermon in a synagogue that will be received the same as it would in a Christian church, then I've not rightly interpreted the Old Testament in light of Christ. If a, if a, if a Jew can amen a sermon on the Old Testament, then I've missed Jesus in the Old Testament. I've missed the right interpretation in light of God's full Revelation of Jesus. Because we have now much more light than they had in the Old Testament, right? We have much more knowledge. That's why the the prophets inquired carefully to understand the things that you all know to be true, because you can read them in the New Testament. Uh, So maybe a better understanding of David and Goliath is that it points us forward, ultimately, to the greater David. The, The greater David who will come and destroy all the works of the enemy, who wins all the battles that we are unable to win on our behalf, thus securing an eternal victory on behalf of His people. I'm not saying that there are not lessons to be learned by the lives of those in the Old Testament. Uh, But hopefully those stories point us to the real hero of the text. And the hero is not David, because there's many things that David did that we don't want to emulate. There's only one in all of Scripture that we want to emulate everything that He did. And that is, of course, our Lord. And then number three, and lastly, uh, this understanding of the Old Testament helps us to see the unity of the Bible's story. I want to quote a pastor here, Nick Rourke. He says, Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we want our eyes and our minds opened to recognize Jesus in all of Scripture in order that we might love Him with all of our hearts from all of Scripture. So if we're reading the Bible correctly, I think it should always be driving us and pointing us forward to Jesus. Whether we see Him in His work of creation, whether we see Him pictured in the Passover lamb, whether we see His substitutionary sacrifice in the temple sacrifices foreshadowed, whether we see His role as the mediator between God and man, Pictured in Moses as Moses was the mediator that went to God on behalf of his people that pleaded for the lives of the Israelites. Whether we see him as the true, faithful, and eternal king on David's throne who honors and worships God like none of those kings did, like they all should have. May we see Christ in all of Scripture. And may our love for Him and His Word grow as a result. Next week I hope to put some of this into practice, to go to the Old Testament and to see how it witnesses to our Lord, how it points us to Christ. Let's pray.